0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710
1: Sports app and 710sports.com.
0: Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul
1: Gallant.
0: There's a lot riding on this seven-game homestand for the Seattle Mariners. Four games against the Oakland A's starting with tonight. You're going to hear the first pitch at 710 right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. pregame show starts at 6 then you've got 3 games against the Astros who are they're the best hitting team in baseball and they they lead your division there's a lot at stake in if you don't have a winning record in this you got to make up ground on one of these two teams you do what do they have to gain though like what sort of statement could they make they're 6 games above 500 they've played really good baseball they're they're in their second month third month of being a really good baseball team and for the past month maybe going on like month and two weeks they've been great like they've they've been they've been playing playoff caliber. The kind of baseball they're twenty and ten since June thirteenth. That's that's the kind of baseball to get you in the playoffs.
1: If we're being realistic though, anything that they prove probably over the next seven days is nothing more than symbolic because there are so many more series against Houston and against Oakland, you know? It would be great if they're able to somehow take four or five games. And if they do, you should be excited because maybe that means that there's a little extra incentive. At the top of the food chain in the Mariners organization to greenlight something that maybe makes it seem as if, hey, like we're actually in this right now. In fact, we have a chance of making the playoffs this season. We're talking about it from the Mariners' perspective, so I, I would say that probably the next seven games, it's it's more symbolic than anything, but that doesn't mean that you you would dismiss it entirely. It's about, hey, we are a team that you cannot ignore in the American League West, and you know who they've played of late. They had a nice series against the White Sox. They had a nice series against the Rays. Like, they have shown that they are competitive, but these are the big boys, right? I mean, these are the teams that you really care about stacking up against, not just this year, but in years to come. you got to walk down one of these two teams.
0: Mm-hmm. If, if you're, if you're going to make the playoffs, you're, you're going to have to catch one of these two teams. There's 10 teams in the American League that have, have a winning record. 10, I don't wow. know. Yeah, you're right. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is a series or a week that is going to change sort of the decision making process when it comes to who to add. I, I don't think it should. The Mariners' goal, like the the measurement of success, is not going to be whether the Mariners make the playoffs this year. Like the measurement of success is going to be: are they a contending are are they are they contending for a playoff spot or getting into the playoffs next year? Are they capable of winning a, a division championship in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four? Those are the, those are the metrics. We're, we're now we're now looking: are they a little bit either ahead? Are they getting? How quick can they get there? And maybe they can Maybe they they have they have shown improvement. and You've gotten some things that that you could not have expected. Luis Torrens, you not have expected that dude to have eleven home runs. Mitch Haniger, I think I, the idea that he's their best player isn't surprising, but it certainly wasn't a given. He hadn't played in a year right. and a half. Like you've got you've gotten. This was a team a lot of people thought was going to lose ninety games. It's not going to lose ninety games, and in fact it. It might have an outside chance of winning 90 games. I still think that that's a little bit high. I agree. But, but. The, all, all of those things, and I don't know if the next week is going to change their decision-making process, but I want to see them add. I want to see them add a starting pitcher. I want to see them add a right-handed bat. I want to see them add.
1: Their timeline is, I think, going according to plan right now, and that's good. and And honestly, a couple of months ago, remember when they got just murdered by San Diego? Mm-hmm. It did not look
0: that was like that. A low point of the season. It looked like the bottom was falling out. Injuries, injuries were stacking up. Marco Gonzalez was hurt. It looked yeah. like the bottom was falling out.
1: And Scott Service deserves a lot of credit for riding the ship, for getting everybody together and saying, "Hey, look, we got to take care of business here." They have told us for the last couple of seasons that competition, being in contention, all those things that you have been waiting for from this team are right around the corner, and it does feel like. You know, we talk about light at the end of the tunnel, and obviously we're a lot further through the season right now. There's still plenty of season to go, and there's a chance that things do hit the fan, but you see where they are going. The path seems like it is definitively heading towards some type of success. What extent of success? Who knows? But what you've seen thus far this year is really promising, and and I think you can actually start talking about how next season is a season where it's playoffs— are the expectation, you know, being one of the top five or six teams in the American League at the end of the season and being in that race, that, that now actually feels like it's a reasonable ask for next season. And, and that's really cool. And this couple of games ahead is going to tell you whether or not maybe they're even further ahead of schedule than that.
0: How many of these games, if the playoffs are a reasonable goal, how many of these games do they have to win?
1: Five is going to make me feel great. Four is going to not really change my opinion anyway or the other, and same with three, but I would feel good about four and three. I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. If they lose six of them, I will be like, okay, well, there's there's your reality check. And I felt like you had a bit of one against the New York Yankees. This would be another one. But I do, You know, I'm. Just, I guess I'm... If you had to predict, what's it going to be? Right now, let's 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 just write it down. A uh, little uh, weekly time capsule. How many? I think wins? they're
0: going to. I think they're going to go four and three. I think Ooh. they're going to win three against Oakland, and I think that they'll they'll win one of the three against against Houston. I think they're going to go four and three.
1: They're at home, which helps. I I am I am going back and forth between two and five and three and four. I will say three and four. Just so Because you're I'm, not optimistic. You think this is where the rubber meets the road? Look, it, it's. It's, these are two really good teams, and specifically Houston. Like I, I could, I could see them getting swept by Houston with the way that Houston's playing. You know, like they're that is a team that has a lot of bats, and with you having the issues that you have in your rotation, and also just things not lining up from a timeline perspective as far as what starting arms you're going to have up against them, that's that's kind of a bummer. But um, I, I I don't think it's completely crazy for them to prove me wrong at the very least over this stretch. Houston hasn't been playing. I mean, they've lost. Uh, um, they're, they're four and six in their last ten. So it's not like they're in the midst of some crazy winning streak or anything like that right now.
0: We talked about the Mariners' schedule and sort of their still eyes on their their team two or three years from now. What did we learn about the Seattle Kraken schedule? Mm. Because their expansion draft happens yesterday, and national headlines more notable for who they didn't take and what they didn't do than what they did. More notable for the guys they didn't pick, that they did not pick Carey Price, who is the Montreal Canadiens goalie who has a $10 million salary and a question about his hips. More notable for players that they they steered away, they kept themselves flexible when it comes to their salary cap space. They're defensemen heavy. They did not pull off the number of trades that the Las Vegas Knights did. And Ron Francis said afterward that, hey, teams weren't willing to make the same mistake they did. When, when the basically the knights were bribed with draft picks not to certain, choose certain unprotected players that they weren't. We talked to a guest, Frank or Paul Saravelli, who said, "Well, you know what? Some of that might have been the asking price of the Seattle Kraken. Like they might, they maybe should have come off of their asking price." And for what do we learn about their timetable, their schedule? Are they expecting to compete right away?
1: No, they're not. And look. It's unrealistic to expect any expansion team to compete. The, see, the, the the Vegas Golden Knights are such a cool story in what they were able to do. But, I mean, isn't that the complete anomaly as far as contention immediately? And I remember if you go back to, you know, the NFL in 1995, the Carolina Panthers were 7-9 and in and the next season. The Jaguars, uh, they end up with that upset of the Denver Broncos, and they're in, in the AFC Championship game. But for this, I mean, th- those were things that you don't really expect. I mean, go back to the last expansion team in the NHL, the Atlanta Thrashers. They stunk, and they never got good, and there's a reason that they're now in Winnipeg. Or I, I, I think they moved to Winnipeg. So, like, there's there's a really high bar that you have to clear, and what you've seen thus far, hey, they've gotten some good defenders. they got a goalie who's got some upside in um, Drieger, but you got no forwards who can score at this point in time. And... When I'm looking at what the best plan, perhaps, is for a team like the Kraken, and I was doing a little reading online, and I'm putting a little bit of a tinfoil hat on at this point in time right now, but is it really the craziest idea to think that the Kraken are setting themselves this year to have as much cap space as possible to aggressively attack free agency next year when the salary cap is going to shrink, as we talked about earlier with um, Frank, and Then, on top of that, there's this guy that is going to be likely the first pick in the NHL draft in 2022, Shane Wright, who is getting a lot of buzz. And I'm not going to act like I know a whole lot about him. All I know is that he has been described as maybe one of the most hyped uh, NHL prospects of the last 10 years or so. So maybe they are setting themselves up for the best possible chance to have a swing at that in the lottery, and on top of that, to maybe make big swings in free agency, too.
0: It is difficult for an expansion franchise to succeed. There's also a difference between planning for success and planning to not care about the on-field or, in this case, on-ice results. Right? Mm-hmm. It certainly looks like the Seattle Kraken took a look at what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did and said, "We're not going that route." It, that's that the 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 initial. And I'm not going to say that that's the wrong decision because you could have decided we're gonna we're gonna copy that. We're gonna do exactly what they did and not had nearly the success that Las Vegas did. Like that 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 represents Las Vegas represents the best case possible scenario for that approach. And maybe that's not a realistic outcome. So I can, I, I can see the logic. It certainly seems like the, the Kraken have looked at this and said, we're doing this a different way we're, We we are going to build. And you mentioned the draft pick they could be positioning themselves for. And it also sounds like the salary cap that they are going to preserve their cap space, believing that next year, that cap space might become even more valuable because of the number of teams that will be facing a salary cap crunch and that your cap space then, your dollars are going to go a lot further and it's better off instead of now using that on guys that are unprotected that other teams kind of decide like, "Eh, if it comes to it, like here's the guy that we'd like you to pick that it's better off spending that money eight months from now. When,
1: when that those dollars will stretch farther. That was one of the more interesting tidbits that came when we had uh, Frank Saravelli aboard the show earlier today. He, he also suggested that there might be some sort of trade involving uh, Tyler Pitlick, but that, to me, fascinated me the most, just looking at what's next for the NHL, and that, hey, much like a lot of sports, they are going to be facing a serious pandemic crunch, but I can imagine they more than any other team, given that you have not had anybody in arenas in Canada for... Years, right? I mean, or, I mean, a little bit plus of a year, you know, but I mean, the that that is something that I would imagine has affected the net revenue of the league. So with that kind of a salary cap crunch, the long game makes more sense than playing the short game. You you, It would be great to see them have a Vegas Golden Knights kind of first year, but that's just unrealistic, I think, to expect. And I would rather be pragmatic as opposed to pipe dreaming with the beginning of a NHL franchise.
0: You also have this honeymoon period. Where this is always seems – where people are probably going to be excited no matter what the result is that first year. There's there's still a part of it that does not set well with me, though, the idea of not prioritizing success as quick as you can.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. We've talked about this before. Like the I think I, it's a bad – I think it's loser a bad – this yeah. is how you brew loser juices by not caring about the results. But I, th- I think you also have to wonder how many of the guys that they just brought in on this expansion draft are actually going to be here, let's just say, past this season, you know? like th- This is this is just the way that it goes when you c- first come into a league. It's a little bit different than resetting an organization from the regime mm-hmm. before. This is yes. your, your, your brand new, and there ain't much you can do.
0: There's always the question, too, of are you choosing not to max out your payroll because it's strategically better or because you're cheap? like And that is – those are – we don't know. But I'll, I'll say this. You give the crack in the same benefit of the doubt that I give the Mariners ownership right now, which is saying that, hey, under this group, I believe, I believe they're going to spend until they show me that they're not going to. But you always cock that eyebrow and you're like, huh, well, you can tell me that it's strategically you, – you, You get the benefit if you don't have to cut as many checks too, and given the 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 amount of money that was paid for the expansion franchise in general, there's always that lingers in the back of my mind too. And maybe it's just my general distrust of bosses, but I'm always like, yeah, (laughs) you're selling me on the strategy. But I also know that you're paying a little bit less for that. And if it's strategic, it's fine. If it's cheap, that's a
1: terrible sign. This year is about enjoying hockey. Yes. watching it live there the honeymoon period that you just brought up it, it's it's so true we have zero idea what to expect out of this ownership group none it's and and look i, I bet they have zero clue what to expect right now i mean for uh, nh the nhl is a sport where parody is is such that you you can be better and i know in in our pre-show conversations maura you had brought up like the division they're in, not very good and because the division of the vision, the ring's not very good. Maybe yeah, they surprise us. Yeah, I think
2: might be slightly too be being too, slightly too pragmatic. I think they can at least make the playoffs first
0: year. Yeah, I don't know if they'll
2: go as far as the Golden Knights, but they're in the Pacific Division. It's pretty weak right now. I think Edmonton and Las Vegas will be their main competition.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not like Seattle is the Vancouver Canucks who've never won a, a Stanley Cup. Like it's not. It's not like Seattle is some sort. Of, like they should be able to compete right off the top. It is Danny and Gallant's time for us to go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at nine fifteen with Danny
1: and Galoak. an exceptional day. By the way, really like that Danny's taking some shots at the Canucks. Let's take some shots at the Calgary Flames as well. Not welcoming us into the NHL. Oh, I am Calgary. I am so north. I am in a. I am in a. I am in a province that nobody knows about. As I continue to dump on cities I've never been to. Although Calgary's totally fine, isn't it? Uh I've heard it's like Canada's Houston. That's good. I like Houston. Huh. I like Houston too, but it's like a it's like an oil place where that's yeah. what, and and they have a saddle. The the Calgary Flames play in the Saddle. Their arena Correct. looks cool. <laughs> Fun facts about Calgary. But I still wish bad energy on them Flames. Anywho. Yeah,
2: let's get some rivalries going here. Yeah,
1: ignite them. <laughs> What's going on, Mora?
2: All right. Uh, Tom Brady still, things still haven't quieted down as far as his comments about the team that passed him up and that you're going to stick with that bleep bleep. Um, he was asked about it again on Sirius radio radio with Jim gray in a town hall. And he still won't name them, but he elaborated a little bit more.
1: So they know who they are. I mean, then that the team, you think know, they know Yeah, that teams know who who were probably interested and, in. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I mean everyone's got a choice to choose. You know, I think what you realize is that there's not as many smart people as you mm-hmm. think. You know, I, it's just the reality. I think it's something. <laughs> it, it'd be a no brainer if you said, you know, hey, you got a chance to get uh, Wayne Gretzky on your team, or you get a chance Ooh. at Michael Jordan on your team. Oh, we don't need him. You know, no thanks. We're we're good. You know, I in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, let me go. Let me go show. Those teams what they're missing, and at the same time, let me go prove to the team that did bet on me and the team that really showed that they really wanted me and committed to me that I'm not gonna let them down
0: so did he he just said that he's Wayne Gretzky, he's Michael Jordan right?
1: well, he is so I mean, no, yeah, no denying that, but hes but saying it
0: and being it are two different things
1: yeah. He's one more title. Being
0: it are be two different things. I'll say this: I think Tom's a little more entertaining recently. Oh, I no enjoy, doubt. He's, I enjoy I enjoy this Tom more. I like him. I enjoy Tom. I enjoy post post New England Tom a lot. More. But
1: Patriot Way. Yeah, you heard Patriot Way Tom at the very beginning when when asking about the M F or quarterback. Oh, he they they know who they are. He didn't even say it's it's specifically a he Tom. It's not a they. This isn't about the teams. This is about the, you're sticking with that quarterback there. That's what we all want to know. Who is it's the Garoppolo, quarterback that right? you think is terrible? It's Garoppolo. Uh, I don't, it's Garoppolo. I don't know. I think it's Derek Carr. <laughs> I think it's Dude, Derek Carr.
0: Tom Brady was not going to go play for John Gruden.
1: Yeah. no ch- right. zero, zero chance. But he also said in that interview that that team, he probably wasn't going to go to them in the first place anyway. Where with San Francisco, like I think he would have gone there. But there's also... I, I don't think Brady would publicly slam Garoppolo because they had the same agent. Like, I, I, well. I, I don't think that they dislike each other in the way that some have portrayed it. I think he disliked the idea that there was somebody else competing with him more so than he dislikes Garoppolo. Didn't
0: Tom Didn't Tom cut Jimmy off from working with the snake oil salesman? What's that dude's name? Uh, Alex Herrero? Guerrero.
1: Yeah. TB12
0: avocado ice cream cut the ends off your bananas to get rid of the seeds guy. I think that's more about the whole company
1: competition side of Tom and I mean there are some pretty I don't want him to get my witch doctor working with him. I was listening to uh, a a podcast a while ago where Ryan Russillo had a former Patriots beat writer on and I guess like there was a time where Tom Brady was asking Drew Bledsoe's driver like all about all the things that Drew Bledsoe did and this is when Bledsoe was still the starting quarterback in a sort of like little finger esque way to like I guess maybe get a little bit of insight on what he can do and how to be a leader and stuff like that I just think he's psychopathic when it comes to all forms of competition and the mere existence of somebody else that's in his same realm offends him, which is an interesting way to go through life. That's for sure.
2: All right. Well, you mentioned Derek Carr as a possible candidate for Brady's comments. He's Uh he's in our next story here. Raiders GM Mike Mayock told the NFL show with Lindsey Rhodes that John Gruden and Derek Carr couldn't be happier together. He said, quote, they're definitely on the same page. Derek is even finishing John's sentences now. It's like a corny marriage. It's really funny.
0: I am shocked that Derek Carr is still the Raiders quarterback. It, it, of all the different things that have happened over the course of... It's three years now that he's lasted under... Gr- Gruden chews through veteran quarterbacks. Yeah. And if you tell me that he survives the first year because they're rebuilding... It's three years that he's lasted. It's... John's not going anywhere, right? No. He's got, he's got seven years left on a fully guaranteed contract. They don't have another alternative lined up. Like, it's still, it's still Derek Carr. That is one of the most surprising things... that that I've seen that he's lasted this long and they have not won.
1: They're in that weird zone where how do you replace them? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're not quite bad enough to put themselves in a position to get the next guy. And they're in a, I think, similar limbo to that of the Minnesota Vikings, where Kirk Cousins is definitely better as a quarterback than Derek Carr. How much better, though? I, I don't think it's a massive degree of separation. Like, Derek Carr is easy to rag on mainly because he's sensitive more so than he's like a bad quarterback if that makes sense. So, I I, I can understand why the Raiders continue to go with him cuz it's hard to find that alternative who's definitively better. And that's the tricky spot. You never want to find yourself in a spot where you're stuck with like a Tannehill or a Goff or or somebody like that where you've invested in them long-term and you're like, "Wait, but I know I know where this story ends every year."
2: All right, former Rams great Eric Dickerson is all in on the team bringing back Todd Gurley now that Cam Akers is hurt. He told TMZ, quote, that's a no-brainer. I mean, he knows the offense. He doesn't have to come in and try to learn it. He knows McVeigh. He knows the guys on the team. It would be an easy fit. Do you guys agree with that? They should bring Todd Gurley back?
1: No. I mean,
0: <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work,
1: right? It's like, over. It, this, yeah. He's not it's, going to save them anymore. Right. It's This is... You have to work with what you have, but Gurley is not the guy that's going to fix it. And if I'm Gurley too, I don't know if I'd want to come back. Yeah, didn't they? Didn't they not pay him? Right, there were some like, there were some issues on that too. Right, that they didn't they didn't give him the money when it was
0: due, and then they're like, we're taking care of it because he and Clay Matthews. Um, it's one thing when you have an injury midseason and you're like, we need to hire somebody to play on Sunday, and we've got five days, and you go back to Marshawn Lynch like Seattle did. But if you've got time to have a training camp, like there's no reason, no reason. It's not it's not going to work. It doesn't work the second time around. That that would be that would be great for Seattle
1: if they did it because Todd Gurley's cooked. Cooked. It's over. That's not the way to go. Honestly, if I'm if I'm LA, I'm trading for somebody. I think that's the move. Oh, really? Yeah. I think you just get someone off the street. Eh, I I I don't know. I don't know about that one. I mean, Cam Akers, hey, is... how about Rashad Penny? Are they interested in Rashad Penny? First round pick for, for former first round pick Rashad Penny. Come on, L.A. Who says no?
0: Honest, honest question. What would be what would be the lowest pick you would accept in a, in a trade for Penny?
1: The lowest pick. Yep. Six.
0: You'd I mean, give him up for a 6 round pick? I yeah. don't think I'd trade him for less than a fourth. Man, he's and I'm not even sure if I do fourth because he's a former first round pick. There is some value in that, and if he's healthy, and this would be the lowest point of his. What's the lowest pick you would take ex- in exchange for Rashad Penny? Because I do think he has some value. Standing and Gallant, we found out firsthand what Deion Sanders wants to be called. There's no chance I would ever call him. That we'll explain next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Danny
0: O'Neill and Paul Gallant. It's
1: a matter of respect. Put some respect so De- on their name, as everyone
0: says. Well, use some respect by not using my first name, is what Dion Sanders said. When I first saw this story, I thought that Dion was being an egotistical... Self-important, really. Re, re, that that I thought Dion was out of line.
1: Can you believe that heard, Dion would be egotistical? No,
0: I do, look. I I don't dislike Dion, and and I actually I don't think that he's done a lot for people. Whether it was Primetime Academy and now the coach at Jackson State, like he's been very involved. I don't know how effective those things have been, but there's been a lot of criticism of him over those things. I don't think he's a bad guy either. I, I, I think he is very self-important and I think he's in it for Dion, but I, I don't, I don't dislike Dion and I'm interested to see how the experiment at Jackson state works out. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on, Hey, there's no way that this is going to work and he's going to, yeah, I'm interested to see how this goes.
1: I am too. And I also like you. I don't dislike Dion. I grew up thinking he was really cool. I grew up wanting to have a bandana on when I played on the field in football. I, I liked him a lot, even though he was on the Dallas Cowboys of all teams for a little bit of time. So I just look at this situation, and at face value, when you first see this story where he's holding a press conference, it it struck every single one of my, I hate this kind of stuff, um, Bones, when I cover sports because I hate it so much when not just coaches – And players act this way. I hate it when politicians do it. I think the idea of being referred to by a title instead of by your first name is just so decidedly un-American. This is what the British do. This is what people that believe in earlships and baronies want. You know, like, oh, I'm the lord of Winchester Shirestonville. You know, like, I, I hate it when I see guys force others to acknowledge them by their title. I had a teacher in English in 11th grade, uh, uh, 12th grade, who wanted everyone. You know, he, he was a doctor, and I just hated that we had to call him a doctor. You're not a, you're not a doctor, doctor. You're just a doctor in when it comes to literature. Okay, okay. Paul doesn't like titles. I don't. Thank you. I thought I thought that the reporter was out of line when
0: I finally heard the clip. Here is, and it, the reporter is Nick Suss, Nick Suss from from the Mississippi Clarion Ledger. Here is here is the exchange in which Dion. Tried to explain you didn't want to be called Dion, and what happened?
1: Hey, Dion, I was just wondering if you could... Uh, oh, let's back up a little bit. You don't call Nick Saban Nick. Don't call me Dion now, okay? I call Nick Saban Nick. Yeah, you don't, no, you don't. No, you don't. That's a lie. You, if you call Nick Nick, you know you'll get cussed out
0: on the spot. So don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. Okay, um, Dion. Um, <laughs> all right. Just... Uh, he got up and walked out. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think Dion's wrong. I think the reporter was out of line. Not not the first time. And Dion's everybody does call Nick Nick. I I don't refer to a coach as coach. If if I have it, it was much earlier in my career before I thought about. It. I call Pete Pete. And my my rationale is a I I don't work for you. You're not my coach. You're not. I I'm I'm a media member. I'm covering you. And That's the nature of the relationship, like that I I don't I'm not accountable to you. But if Pete said, hey, don't call me Pete, call me coach, I would just use a second person pronoun. I refer to him as you when he would use it the second time. I think Dion, it's not it's not an unforeseen consequence. I don't the reporter can't be mad that Dion got up and walked out of that interview. He tried to antagonize Dion using it the second time.
1: True, but can you understand why he was maybe antagonistic because of the dismissive way with which Dion spoke to him in that spot? I mean, I can sure. understand just the human element of it, and and uh, look, you're you're someone who's been in these for a long time, and I think that because of that, you gain patience over your experiences with with people like this, right? And he probably shouldn't have handled it the way that he did. I'm not I'm not making excuses for it because I I think you're right. He definitely it was sort of like when uh, <laughs> um, Jim Rome was with uh, on with. Uh, Was it who who which quarterback? Jim Everett. Jim Everett. And he kept calling him Chris. Right. And then at the very end, that was like definitely antagonistic and sexist too. You're right. But this situation was okay. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna call you this, and you were kind of treating me mansplaining me as, as if this is how everybody talks to Nick Saban when you're just factually wrong, but. There was no reason, I guess, to say Dion. And this is the tricky thing: I, you're you're sort of supposed to be a punching bag in these situations as yep. as a reporter.
0: You are. You you got a, You've got a choice. And this is how I've always looked at it: you got a choice. If you want to say no, I'm not going to interview you because I don't like the way you talk to me, and I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to have you call me a liar. Then stop the interview. But it's not about your pride. Like it's about asking the person and getting answers to your questions. Like that that's what it's about. And if you're going to then take that as an opportunity to antagonize somebody, well, you can't be surprised if the result of that is the subject saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I guess that's what I, I don't think Dion was out of line to get up and walk away. I'm not sure if that's the best way to handle it if you're a football coach. I i definitely know that I would have never called him Dion, especially after he told me to call, or called him coach, especially after he told me to call him coach. But I wouldn't have called him Dion either. Not the second time. I'm not going to try to antagonize him. Like, that's, that's not really the role there unless you're looking for a reaction. And if you are, well, you got the reaction.
1: Yesterday, your stronger reaction was to the other things that are going on at his program. Yeah, like, that's that's
0: actually the— So that same paper had ran a story about a player who's a recruit at Jackson State. He's their highest-profile recruit ever at the program. and But he's he's got a—he was charged with domestic violence. And I, I don't know if we know the specific details of what the incident was— but he definitely faced that. And Jackson State then shut off that reporter who wrote that story. It's a different reporter from that same paper. Shut off his access so he couldn't ask players or coaches questions at the media day. And that was that's a much bigger deal. The other thing is just a weird thing of manners. But look, you're a school offering a scholarship to a player who's got a domestic violence charge against him when he— And comes with that, that's absolutely to then shut out that reporter of like, you can't ask questions about that. That's that's much more troubling at a much deeper level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with you there. How should this reporter get back in Dion's good graces, or is this perhaps a bridge that has been burned forever? Because I, I don't think this is something that the two of them can't necessarily get over, right? Isn't this something that you can have a conversation with, maybe off the air or not in front of a press conference, not in a press conference situation to sort of clear things
0: up? The reporter owes Dion an apology for for referring to him as Dion oh the my second God, time. That's yeah, and you can say so dumb, you, you you can say you can say hey. I just want to be clear. I didn't address you any differently than I address other football coaches. I, I use I use Nick Saban's first name when I talk to him. I should not have. But if it, honestly, if you're trying to repair the, the the reporter, the reporter owes Dion an apology for that. Now, if he's mad that Dion called him a liar and said that's a lie, it, and you can say that that was that was out of line, like that I got mad and responded. But you have to, if you're the reporter, you have to apologize that it was inappropriate. You shouldn't do that.
1: What do you call him now, though? Mr. Sanders? Dude, I
0: went years referring to my stepdad only with personal pronouns because he's, he he did not want me to call him Terry, and there was no way that I was any longer comfortable calling him dad. Like, if I went years using only pronouns to refer to a dude that I lived in his house, I think you can make it 10 minutes through an interview without ever referring to him as Coach or Dion. I think there are workarounds.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. You- <laughs> You're probably right, but but the idea of apologizing over this is so stupid. Like, Dion you don't seems... have to apologize. You don't have to. But if you want to repair the relationship, or if you want to work at it, you—that's that would be my answer. That's what I the report...
0: mean. The reporter owes Dion the apology.
1: I, I, I don't know, and that's what that's what's so stupid about the whole thing. You know, like this is this is <laughs> you're apologizing for calling him by his actual name. It's not like you called him something else. You know, like he who can't tackle or something. <laughs> It's Danny and Gallant. It's time for us to raise flags. That's coming up
0: next. From the pocket and
1: flags everywhere.
0: Flag on the play.
1: Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the
0: noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout.
1: Flag on the
0: play. Oh, now I'm worried I screwed up. 206 text. You lived in your father-in-law's house? Did he live in the same house at the same time? For, no, if I said father-in-law, that was a complete mistake. I love my father-in-law. My, father, the, my father-in-law My father is one of... I Both my in-laws are two of my favorite people on the planet. No, my stepdad. My stepdad. Yeah, I lived in my stepdad's house when I stopped referring to him by... I wouldn't call him Terry because my mom and, and he didn't like that. But I was like no longer willing to call him dad. So I just went personal pronouns. Mm.
1: N- never thought about Tear Bear? That probably would have been worse than Terry. <laughs> hey Tear Bear. That would have definitely antagonized him just a little bit. I my my dad's name Gary, and every now and then I've I've called him the Gare Bear, and but I don't generally do it like when I'm addressing him one on one because I, I feel guilty doing it. The Catholic yeah, guilt but you, it drops in. Yeah, but you you've got a good relationship with him. I do. I have a good rela- really good relationship with my father, yes. Ah. Uh,
0: we got flags. Maura, do you want to start off? Let's get us out of this hateful place that I put us in. We're talking about stepfathers and, and my difficulties in showing proper yeah. respect and decorum. Shout
1: out to my stepdad, Scott. He's also the man.
2: Uh, sure, I'll get us started. I want to raise a flag for Marshawn Lynch, of course, because it's just always good to see him. And I enjoyed him making this pick for the Seattle Kraken yesterday.
1: Seattle Kraken select from the Asheville Predators. Marshawn, take it away. Let's see,
2: so uh, with the f- this the first pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the first pick, we're going with the boy, boy Callie, though. You know
1: what I'm talking about? <laughs> yup, Callie Yarn Crow. Yarncrow. That's Yarncro. the most polite way you could ask to pronounce someone's name without asking to pronounce someone's name. Bravo, Marshawn. I think Bravo, he should, it should
2: be referred to as the boy, boy Callie from now on. That should be. Like the boy, boy Cali. His introduction every game. I it. could
0: listen to Marshawn Lynch read a phone book. I would sit there just, and uh, I would laugh at each and every one. I, I, and everything he does is funny to me. When he had the scientist on, the guy that was messing around with liquid nitrogen. He called him,
2: oh, I thought you meant Dr. Fauci. He called him Dr. Fauci.
0: Dr. Fauci was good. Nobody was like, scientist, scientist, there's a lot of things you can freeze, but the J's ain't one. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. He just kept calling him scientist cat.
1: No, I'm just playing with
0: you. That's when he had his Facebook show. I love Marshawn.
1: Same man. Can't get enough uh, of him. I wanna. I wanna. Re- I'm
0: gonna throw a challenge flag. I'm gonna throw a challenge flag to Seattle. Throw a, a challenge flag to Mariner fans. You got a big series that's starting tonight down there at T-Mobile Park. You got four games against the Oth- Oakland Athletics, and then there's three games against the Houston Astros. This this team has played its way. Like this team has played its way into support. And it should be. This is a big moment. It should be a real big excitement this pulls in through. You've got your, your top four starting pitchers, which eh, maybe your only four starting pitchers right now. Yes. Lined up to go in this Oakland series. But let's go. Let's go. The seating capacities, there's no, there's no limits on it. We're coming back to life in the city. Let's
1: go. The weather's great. Yes. The team is good. Yes. And this is going to be, I'd imagine it quite some time, maybe going back to 2018, the closest to a, not quite playoff, but really big stakes game setting that you've probably had in quite some time because it's divisional games. And first off, I think think you definitely want to be there for the Houston series just because you want to be able to boo them. But also for this one this weekend, yeah, we saw – just what the crowd could do when the Mariners were playing the Rangers and and that JP chant that was taking place in the background so I'm not one to tell you what to do but this I think of any weekend to go to a ball game is gonna be a really good one so I'm, I'm with you Danny let's rile up the troops let's get them out there
0: it feels like the city's resonating like the players on this team when they were chanting JP's name. The excitement, the enthusiasm, I think Logan Gilbert is somebody, you say Kikuchi, like people getting behind and identifying with this team. I, and I, I think that the team is appreciated. Rally kid, rally kid at the last series, that was extremely exciting. Like, I think that there's some signs of that. And when you get a connection between team and city, team and crowd, like it's, it's, it's something that's truly special. Winning is the secret. Uh, and it's not even a secret. Winning is what generates crowds, but there are times when a a specific team connects and resonates with the city, and I think you can see the seeds of that happening here. I think you can see the seeds of it.
1: They show up, they play hard, and while they do not have the most talent as of now, yeah, they are worthy of your respect. Where's your flag going today, Paul? I just found this out, and I guess this is just the way things go. Maybe I shouldn't even fault him, but I found out that Suns in 4Guy was signing autographs for people and oh, selling no. them. Yeah. Oh. And it started when the Suns were up two games to none in the NBA Finals. There's actually a post on Instagram that is still up, and it got about 30,000 likes or so But Lincoln Bio sons and four, and he's got basketballs. He's got jerseys. You know what? I suppose if you're gonna have 15 minutes of fame, cash in on them the best you can. Can't
0: can't do autographs. But
1: you're right. You
0: I you you can't do autographs. Selling action for his autograph. Yeah. Well,
1: the flag I never
0: never underestimate the stupidity of the American
1: public. Exactly. But
0: But you can't like that's that's not you can't sign autographs
1: from an entrepreneurship standpoint. Sell an action figure. I won't Sell a hate. t-shirt. Well, the Don't, action figure is going to cost a lot to produce, isn't it? So that's sure, going to be difficult. Fine, but make 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 the investment. Don't sell autographs. My flag is more so on someone who would buy this.
0: I mean Oh, I think it's on Suns and Four guy too though. Like you you have to have a pretty diluted sense of self to decide that your autograph is worth it.
1: <laughs> you got you got 30,000 likes on this post for what it's worth. I mean, there, there clearly is an appetite and was an appetite for Sons and Four Guy. I actually thought about buying a t-shirt for of Sons and Four Guy. I thought about it, but then I thought to myself, this is only going to be relevant for what? Like five weeks? And by the time I get the shirt, is it even going to be worth wearing anymore? So I didn't get one. I, I just think that if you're going to buy an autograph from some random dude who got in a fight in, in, in the stands with a weirdo, like that's... That's something it's a else. Pretty awesome fight. You know what would be worthwhile? I could see
0: the, buying an NFT. A non fungible uh, token.
1: Those uh, those boggle my mind. You can download I, it. I off could the see buy,
0: I could see buying an NFT of Sons and Four Guy. Like I could see, like I've got the one authenticated uh, example of him holding holding a guy's jersey and clobbering him in the face while he's taunting his friend. Like that, that I could see. That's pretty awesome. Buying an autograph or signing an autograph as a sons and four guy that's, that's that's indefensible.
1: NFTs make no sense to me. None. It's I think it's a stupid purchase, and I hope that anyone bu- who buys one, I hope you lose all your money. I think you're. An Why idiot. is it any dumber than baseball cards? I I, I don't get baseball cards either. Well, but, okay, you don't understand baseball
0: cards, but But you recognize that it is an actual industry and people do value it. I don't think this—I don't think NFTs are any different than baseball cards.
1: But it's not anything that's real. It's— Sure it is. It's real legitimately only to you, at least with this physical card. Other
0: other people want them. Other people would want your one-of-one. Yeah, and— Sequentially numered, n- numerated, yeah.
1: You can find them on YouTube in five seconds. It's not like you're the only well, person that's with access not, to this video. That's not the
0: same thing. Yeah, you can watch it, to but that's it just watching it on YouTube. It's to me, not watching it. To me, an NFT. Y- to you me, own it.
1: You have bleep you money, and you are just flexing with something really stupid that literally anybody else would have access to. You know, if you're going to have something, you want to create exclusiveness for it. You don't do that with the NFT.
0: Tomorrow, we will be selling NFTs of the Danny and Gallant show. It will be our path to making millions.
1: Where Paul's telling you, I hope you lose all your money if you buy one.
0: what uh, Want to thank Frank Saravelli, who was with us in the first hour. Jerry Depoto, who joined us in the second one. Brock Heward, who was here for Blue Forty Two. Maura Dooley, who kept everything rolling smoothly and on time. And he is Paul Gallant. Yeah, don't buy his NFTs because he'll hope you you bankrupt yourself.
1: Texted. Paul's actually a seventy five year old man telling us to get off his lawn. Yeah, I definitely sound that way. And he is Danny O'Neill, and he wants you to be out. For the Mariners tonight and the rest of the games this weekend against the Oakland A's. And I want you out there, too. Up next, how many games are the Mariners going to win over this seven-game stretch against Oakland and against the Houston Astros? You answer that next on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle.